do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 568. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we are doing another interview with a good friend of ours named Dr. Alexander Solomon, and I'm going to introduce Dr. Alexandra in just a second. But first, sweetie, you sent an email out this morning to all of our emailers. All of our subscribers. Whatever. They're our emailers. Whatever. Um, What is that? So basically, this morning, I sent out an email saying that if you already subscribe to our newsletter, which many of you do, um, that you will be receiving... um, something called Zen Parenting Moment on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's it's kind of a similar form, format, uh, format to Daily Ohm or to Notes from the Universe, but it's not every day. It's just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the reason that I wanted to do this was because I don't know about you guys, but my email and just the things that come in my inbox tend to be heavy and scary and often negative. And I was like, man, like I was trying, you know, I can go through my news feed and Instagram and Facebook and everything and kind of curate it, but I can't curate my inbox. So I was like, I want to start sending something out that maybe people will appreciate reading in the morning. Like it goes out at 6 a.m. and it can kind of set the tone for the day. It also helps me because I focus on writing something that helps me set the tone for the day. So if you are already a subscriber to our newsletter, you're already going to get this. If you are not a subscriber, go to Zen Parenting radio.com and you will see right at the top of the page that it says subscribe to zen moments zen parenting moments and um i just i'm just looking forward to it so if you're listening to this on your phone which most people i think are just go to the show notes click on the link and if you don't already subscribe to our newsletter uh just put in your first name last name email address and then you'll get these nuggets of wisdom correct uh, from my sweetheart yes. every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. Mm-hmm. All right, so good enough. Um, now, on with the main uh, focus of today's show. So Dr. Alexander Solomon, most of you guys, I think if you like the show, know who she is. But in case you don't, she's a PhD. She's a licensed clinical psychologist at the Family Institute at and a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Northwestern University. She's a wildcat. Wildcat? Mm-hmm. Northwestern Wildcats. Oh, yeah. Duh. Uh, she teaches Building Loving and Lasting Relationships, Marriage 101. She has two books. Yes. We've had Dr. Solomon on our show before to talk about her first book, which is called Loving Bravely, 20 Lessons of Dis- Self-Discovery to Help You Get the Love You Want. The most recent book that came out in February um, <laughs> is called Taking Sexy Back, How to Own Your Sexuality and Create the Relationships You Want. Um so we might get to the book, but the reason you want to have Dr. Solomon on today, sweetheart, is yes, why. Because so basically we were going to have Allie on anyway in February or March, and then everything happened and kind of fell apart. Because usually she's here in the studio with us. We get we get the pleasure no, of her company. We have an I'm, empty chair. I'm chair pointing we're to a at. chair where I'd like my friend to be. But um, I I texted her a few days ago. It was actually after the conference, or excuse me, after the debate. Um, because I watched that debate about a week ago. And and I want to say this. I know a lot has happened since the, the debate. I know that there's been a lot of, you know, people diagnosed with COVID and the president's in the hospital. And I know that, you know, the news moves so fast. But what Alexandra put on um, Instagram was so helpful to me personally after I watched the debate because it helped me understand the way I felt while I was watching it. It put words to something you were feeling. And and I couldn't quite explain what I was feeling. Then I read her post and I said, we need to have her on to talk about that. And so, um, but I want to say before I, I lead into Allie that um, she, if you don't already, you need to follow her on Instagram or on Facebook. And both of them are under Dr. Alexandra Solomon because she posts these like quotes and then does this entire like explanation, like a a psychological overview of what she's talking about. And they've been so helpful to me and so many other people. So I just want to make sure you do that. And then now I would like, um, if you wouldn't mind, Dr. Solomon, talk about this post, Dominance is Not Strength, and explain to people what I read the other day. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, it's so good to be with both of you. And Thank I you. also wish that we were at the same table right now rather than stretched out and looking at our screens. But it's but regardless, it's so I mean, what a beautiful silver lining, right, that we still get to find ways to connect even when we can't be together. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, like so many people, I was really shaken by the debate. It was, um, it was really challenging to my heart, to my brain and to my body, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wanted to pull forward, you know, there's so many different things that we could have focused on. But the thing I wanted to pull forward the next day and try to like, sort of get my head around is this idea that what we saw I think if you, you know, like so much about this election season and like so much about Trump's presidency, it's a Rorschach, right? Like you see part of how our world is so polarized is that we we see what we see through the pair of glasses that we wear mm. that frames how we perceive all of relationships, right? It's about our gender, our race, our value system. Um, that kind of organizes what we see. And so as I'm, you know, what the point of my post was, I said, I just wrote, dominance is not strength. Dominance is not strength. I wrote it like five times and basically said that the only way you could have viewed Trump having won that debate is if your definition of winning is that you have dominated and filled up the space with yourself. And that that's a very particular kind of definition of power and one that I know both of you have worked really hard to evolve yourselves through. And and it's so much of what I know for those of us who are seekers, right? That is, that's the stuff that I feel like we're forever undoing is this belief system that control equals power. Taking up the most space in the room equals power. So one thing, one thing you said in the, in your post is, and if your definition of strength is domination, you cannot be intimate, you cannot be connected, you cannot be relational and you cannot lead. Can you um, just riff off of your words? Well, the moment that I equate dominance and strength, I don't leave any room for um, what Martin Buber would call the I-thou relationship, like way to pull that philosopher off of the shelf, right? Martin Buber was this, I don't even know really his history, this kind of old school philosopher. And he talked about the I-thou relationship, right? Intimacy is the space between me and you. And it, it's predicated upon intersubjectivity, that there is a synapse, there's a gap, like in order to be with you, I have to know that you are not me. And I have to be like really humble to that and really curious about that rather than dominance is, I doesn't, I don't really care about your like locus of consciousness. I care about managing this space. Exactly. You know, and I think, uh, you know, going off of your words, the thing that I felt during that debate, which was, it was an interesting experience because, and I think I texted this to you, Allie, was that I started watching it and then I started to feel uncomfortable right away. I mean, in the first couple minutes, right? Because that's when the filling up the the space and, and you know, for those of you who are, aren't sure what, you know, we mean by filling up the space, it's words and speaking over somebody and not allowing for there to be any discussion. It's like I'm managing all the energy in this room. And when I started to feel that, I felt, like you said, a very visceral response, um, kind of sick to my stomach. And then I found myself sitting on our stairs, which has some bars in front of it. So basically, just to kind of give you an idea, the TV is on the wall and I sat on the stairs. So there were bars between me and the TV. And I and my and my family in a loving way was kind of making fun of me, like, where are you going? Well, and I also what's made, going on? I also made fun of you because you said, I'm out of here. I can't take this. Right. Ten minutes in. Right. And you've watched the whole thing. Well, and let me explain that is the bars were there and that somehow made me feel a little safer from what was happening. And then the other part was this is the part where I realized why your words just stuck with me so much is that I, it felt uh, familiar. It felt, cause I have been in an abusive relationship before an, an emotional abusive relationship. And we've all had experience of kind of a verbal abuse or emotional abuse. Even if we weren't in an entire relationship, we've all had those moments and it felt very familiar. And I also felt like I needed to stay and watch it until something good happened, which is often what we do in an abusive relationship where we like, we, we want something, we're like, okay, I'll tolerate this. I'll tolerate this. Hoping that something that will get some kind of moment of goodness that will, that will make us feel like we can stay or that everything is going to be okay. I kept thinking, will everything be okay? So 
could you, I mean, and again, I'm kind of explaining it myself, but just you as, you know, you know, being the therapist here with us, um, is that, was that typical? Was that the response you had too? Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I, I, in some ways, I love that your body knew what to do, yeah. right? You knew you needed to get your body safe. If you were going to stay engaged, you had to get your body safe. Yeah. And um, I, it, it is, it's like, it's such a, there's such a helplessness. Like I, and even now as you're doing it, like, I'm like finding myself like rocking a bit. Like I think as I was watching, I was rocking, like almost like wanting to like, like meet that aggressive energy with something that was nurturing mm. and like that kind of rounded it out and it and I was so aware of like wanting to like protect Joe Biden like stand in front of him it just was yeah and I think that I think what you're saying makes so much sense around like having flashes of historical stuff which is of course the thing that is so painful for therapists right now these sort of you know therapists call themselves the invisible frontline workers right and so then the next day it was basically spent with you know everybody who's clients are survivors of abuse and um and having to unpack that and move you know, kind of um, talk that through because there's no way in which you can, one could have watched that and not had floods of memories of what it's like to feel silence, to feel like your reality is being bent and your words are being twisted. And the last word is being used to kind of spin the next, you know, whirl of, it just was, it, yes, it was like every, if you could have scripted toxic behavior patterns, you know, I don't, I don't think he missed any of them really. Right. Exactly. And that is, you know, I went on because, you know, why not just add more insult to injury here? I went on Twitter the next day just to kind of see, I didn't that night. Thank goodness. I knew I had had enough that night, but it was interesting how people, you know, you have this visceral experience and you're watching this debate and it wasn't about people's politics. And it wasn't about the um, the issues that we're dealing with. It wasn't about plans. Like, I, And what was interesting on Twitter is the arguments we see, which we always see on Twitter, was about, it was so politically charged, obviously, but it's very hard to explain. And I know there's going to be people listening to this who say, I don't understand what you mean, Kathy, or I didn't have that experience. And I like how you started with, it's our particular set of glasses, right? And it's how we go into something. But if you have had an experience... It's similar to, I was telling Todd, it's similar to what happened during the, the Kavanaugh hearings, how many people are like, this is just a political thing for people. And the reason they're bringing up all these Me Too stories is just because they're trying to, and I'm putting this in air quotes, win or be right. And there is this different level. And I don't know what we'd call it, Allie, like this level where it's not even about the issue. It's not about the election. It's not. A, it's about the way how I felt like when it was over, the debate was over. I felt that I'd been beat up and, and I personally, and I felt the whole, I felt my children had been beat up. I felt like it was, especially with what's going on in the world, it was just a really painful experience. And so, you know, what, what, how do we, what's the language to explain that even though, yes, everything's political, this is, it's different. It, it's, it's, it's scarier. What, how do you explain that to people? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think you're hitting on something because I, I do think. I mean, that was obviously, as you can imagine, my Instagram post created a ton of pushback and people, you know, making all kinds of comments about me and how you know and and um, trying to sort of um, say that this was political. This is how politicians are. But I mean, I you know, we're all in our 40s. There's nothing I can liken this to. And I think it's really a helpful time to talk to our elders because when I talk to our elders who are in their 70s and 80s what they tell me is it's not like what they've experienced either. So there is something qualitatively different. Um, and I think that, I think increasingly psychologists and psychiatrists have been less and less apologetic about calling Trump psychopathology out as what it is. And it, and, and it's, so it is, it's like, I hear what you're saying. The politics have always been messy or argumentative or conflictual, certainly, but there's been, there's been a floor or there's been, you know, like lines that haven't gotten crossed in a way um, that that is different now. So there's something qualitative. You're right. I think about like the difference in what happens when somebody who lacks curiosity about themselves, mm -hmm. who lacks curiosity about relationships, who lacks humility, mm -hmm. um, you know, is in a position of power. And I think it's part of what draws people to him, I think people who, who, because, because it's, there's this fantasy of if you just 
go along with him, then you also get to kind of vibe off of that power. And you also maybe don't have to work as hard, you know, um, to be accountable, to be humble, to be relational. It's freaking hard to be relational. And so there's a way in which there's, I think, a kind of envy that comes when you watch somebody move through the world with so little regard for the impact of their words, you know? Yeah, it's like on the, you know, this is like the macro level. And on on the micro level, it's like any kind of, you know, we can be in a conversation with someone and if they're saying something that bothers us or annoys us or we just feel like being done or we're tired, we do want to dominate that discussion. We want to win. We want to be right. We want to be done. We want them to get us. It's a very one way, you know, like that's your expertise is what you focus on, what you write about, what you post about all the time is relationship, you know, and and how that looks in every way, shape or form. And so you're, I, I love what you just said is that this is different because of other people like to vibe off the, then I don't have to do that hard work. I just get to align myself with someone who's dominant. I get to be dominant. I have to, I can stop worrying about what I say and do. Um, and then we start to have political language around, I don't have to be PC, you know, like all that, That's right. you know, like I don't have to do that anymore. And that gives us a sense of relief. But then you know, explain to us why it really, I mean, I guess going back to what Todd said about those first three things, it really doesn't give us relief because then we don't have relationship. No, we have, we've traded, we've traded control for connection. Mm-hmm. It's what, you know, I go back to what Todd, Todd, when you talk about the line, right? Like when we, like the most helpful relational skill we can have is knowing when we are below the line, mm-hmm. right? Todd talks about being above the line and being below the line. And that is, I think, especially I'm curious, Todd, for you as a, you know, we're all, we all share our whiteness in common, but to, but, but, you know, as a man, I think there's something that is so, um, I know the men that I've been talking to over the last four years, right? Like, I think there is something unsettling about this reworking of power and relationship. And I think the bar, we have raised the bar on men and on white people to, to really, really look in the mirror, to really understand the ways in which we have chosen to be blind to stuff. And, um, and it's painful. It's hard to be uncomfortable. I think part of the allure of Trump is he promises the idea that we can go back to a time when we weren't so freaking uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking from, you know, I guess the male perspective, you know, every, most everybody who's listening knows that I co-founded a men's group and, you know, I don't, I'm sure this isn't Brene Brown originally, but it's all about connection through vulnerability. And, you know, our president, as far as I could tell, seems to have, I don't know if there is any connection and it certainly is not through vulnerability. So, um, you know, what we do in this men's group is just try to undo. And what I say is like, let go of all the lies that we were taught growing up. And our president tends to reinforce the very thing that we're trying to let go of. And it's really frustrating. And it's real. And it's funny, like, we all had different reactions to the debate. Because for me, I think it's really great that, Ali, you talked about rocking, you know, just even this interview, and I don't know what your body awareness was when you're watching it. uh, And maybe you're doing some rocking. Kathy, you you moved away from the TV very far and I left the room, uh, 10 minutes into it. I'm like, this is, there's nothing productive that's going to come out of this. I think it's really wonderful that you guys, cause I did not check in with myself. You talk about above, above and below the line. I escaped. I got away from there because I was not, I, I don't know what I was. I didn't, I didn't take the time to even locate what was going on inside my own body where it seems like you guys were a little bit more, uh, present in what it was that was going on. So, you know, that's just, and that's what we try to do with this men's work. And as far as our president, um, you know, he's, it's, and I don't want this whole podcast to be indictment against our presidents, more like the lies that we're taught. And he just represents what those lies are. And, you know, I, my hope is that there's enough people out there that start seeing what you saw in in the debate and what you shared on your post is if you want to be relational this is not the way to do it and we need enough people to reinforce and remind us of that so i don't really have a question for you dr solomon but and what does that mean relational because we keep saying you know todd's saying 
Um, you know, we're learning to be vulnerable. We're undoing these lies. And and so what are people who use dominance as strength, what are they missing? Like, what are we offering here in place of the dominance? Right, right, right. I think that there's, and I think that a lot of us, especially those of us who occupy lots and lots of identities that are privileged identities. So think white, straight, you know, upper middle class, male. The, and when, the more you occupy those identities, you, you this is the mindset that we were taught is how you do success, mm-hmm. right? Winning, um, competition, like not backing down, not crying. Like these are, I think men especially really, really come by this messaging authentically, right? They didn't, that's not, and, and women, and we as women participate in it. I know you guys talk all the time about the ways in which we socialize our little boys and our little girls, but especially our little boys around discomfort with being confused, discomfort with um, apologizing, like all of these things that we have not associated with masculinity. So I think, to, I think that makes sense that there's a, there's a need to be, um, humble and willing to engage in a process of saying, I don't know what I don't know. Um, and that, and, and I think we can get the brick upside our heads, right. The sort of like wake up call and we can either say, okay, I'm going to listen now, or we get the whole brick wall crashing down. Right. So oftentimes it is like, I always say that oftentimes it's if for straight couples, it's oftentimes the man who calls for couples therapy. And I will sometimes be encouraged. Like, that's so cool that, you know, I've got the husband instead of the wife calling for couples therapy. Well, unfortunately it's, it's oftentimes because she is like one hand is on the divorce lawyers, Mm. you know, number. And, and the other hand is like, what's, what's the deal. And And it will be right. That he, because because being uncomfortable, because learning this new language of emotion and of relationship is so new and it's so antithetical to what they, to what he's been taught, it's like he's going to wait till the very, very, very last moment mm. to let go of control and say, oh, okay, fine. Okay. I'm I, I'm ready to learn. Mm. And, you know, I see that, or Todd and I both see it, and I'm sure you do too, with um, parenting, right? It's the same kind of thing. The dominance is strength where the parent keeps using the more authoritarian, do as I say, respect me, listen, um, you know, anger, yelling, until something pretty significant happens. And I'm talking about really serious things where the parent is like, has no choice but to surrender. Um, If it be because the relationship has been cut off, someone's run away, there's suicidal ideation or attempt, there's, there's something that really forces the hand where you say, this is not the way, you know, this, this, what you're talking about with dominance as strength is, is through relationship, obviously partner relationship, but also the way we parent our kids, right? I think that's so true. I think, and oftentimes, right. And I think it is very, Similar, like the parallels are really profound, right? Around the uh, the notion that a good parent is a parent who keeps the upper hand, and the idea of apologizing to our kids. For many of us, that feels really antithetical to messages that we've internalized about about what it means to be a good parent. A good parent doesn't apologize. A good parent is the end all be all. And I think that is a really uncomfortable growing edge. And yeah, sadly, and that's what happens, right? Like the cyst, like we will. It's like this the the cycle just kind of grows and grows and grows and grows until there's something where it just is not sustainable. The, the threat of divorce, or as you're saying, the kid whose symptoms are just so out of control that the parent is, um, is ready to say, okay, so what, this is not working. Um, so in the second half of your post, Allie, you talked about how one of your mentors came up with the three kinds of power. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that, um, the power over the power to, and the power with. So everything we've been talking about so far is power over, right? Mm-hmm. That's our traditional model that to be powerful is to be in control and to be powerful is to have other people back down and defer. So one defines and one defers. And that is the hierarchical nature of relationships between husbands and wives, between leaders and followers, between parents and kids. Like so much of what we have been taught is about hierarchy and relationships. And then to be in this relational stance that we're talking about is to let go of power over and move towards power to and power with. And power to is about self-regulation. It is saying that a good leader, a good parent, a good partner knows that the first and foremost thing is 
is self-regulation, right? No, which is the knowing when you're below the line, mm-hmm. starting to recognize and notice when you feel, because that desire for control, it it is, it stems from feeling like shit's out, stuff is out of control, mm-hmm. right? We only need to control others when our insides feel out of control. And so noticing, aha, if I want to control everybody right now, it must be because something pretty painful and upsetting is going on inside of me. That's the power too. Mm-hmm. And then just to finish that thought, the power with is basically figuring out how to move through a difficult moment in a relational way, in an I-thou kind of a way. How can I stand up for me without putting you down? It's a balance. That, like, yeah, it's, it's rather than it's either my way or it's your way. It's like, okay, what's the third path? There's got to be some, if I'm thinking it's either I win or I lose, it's because I'm telling too thin a story about this moment, right? There's something I'm not seeing. Well, and it reminds me like, you know, these are all things that we've been reading for the last 40 years in self-help books. It reminds me of Covey who said, first there's dependence and then there's independence and then there's interdependence. It's all the same stuff, right? We just keep needing to hear it again mm. and again. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's like we're using different language. Oh, you know, it, again, it's just like, you know, you were talking about the beginning. We all have our own set of glasses. We all have our own way of hearing too, right? Like what mm. words actually penetrate? What experience actually shifts us? And it's going to be different depending on your history or what, you know, maybe what you've had to deal with. You know, somebody, one of my girls just asked me yesterday, I don't know what she was reading, but, and I don't even know why, but she said, is it true Larry King has been married eight times? And I had a moment where I was like, I don't know if that's true, but it might be. And she said, now, why is that? Why would someone get married eight times? And I wanted to like go into this discussion of, I don't know him and and I'm speaking, you know, hypothetically, like, but people, you know, if you don't understand, you know, the power with, then you keep moving to the next person or the next experience or the next job, trying to do the same thing getting the same result and then blaming the person or organization that you were a part of. It's the, what's the, what's the joke, Todd? Like if, if you get into a fight in every bar you're in, maybe it's not the bar. What's the common denominator? (laughs) Well, it's like, yeah, anybody who's been divorced eight times, what's the common denominator? And the common denominator is that person has been divorced eight times. So they're seeking something outside of themselves to fix whatever it is that's going on. So they're looking out outside to, figure out what's wrong when really the problem is there's something you're not exploring about yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so Allie, like, because this is your, um, you know, Todd and I work with couples sometimes, but this is your, like all the time, you know, you, this is what you teach. This is what you, this is your expertise. And can you, for people listening to this who are like, is this even possible You know, because we have probably the most common question that Todd and I get, no matter what we do, is, um, and this won't surprise you, the majority, the majority of people who listen to our show are women. There are some men who do, but um, it's the majority women. And so they will often say to Todd or I, how do I get my partner, again, if it's a, you know, male-female relationship, how do I get my partner to get on board with this kind of processing, thinking, vulnerability? And even though we have our, you know, that we have a whole, we have, you know, 500 shows about this discussion, but can you, can you offer people some hope about why it's possible and how it's possible? Like any, any direction you want to go with? Well, and I'm curious what your answer is because I have my answer. Kathy has her answer. We have our answer and it is a question we get all the time. And you know, sometimes it's guys like, Hey, I wish my wife were here, but most of the time it's women saying, God, I wish my husband was here to listen to this. And I just wonder if you get that question. And if so, what do you say? I get that question all of the time. And I'm so curious what the two of you say, because I think it's, it really is a perennial issue. I think, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with just, I think, I think that it is figuring out who is the teacher because, because in some ways we're all talking about different things and different language. It's just kind of trying to find the goodness of fit between this man and this teacher. I think there is something about that. And I love, I mean, that's why I love so much when there are men in this work. I think sometimes it is, um, encouraging for a man to be able to learn from another man, or maybe like a bit less threatening, like here's not yet another woman telling me what I'm doing wrong. Cause that is very often a pain point for men is feeling like they just 
can't get anything right. And so sometimes a male teacher with a male seeker is a really lovely fit. Um, and I think it is, you know, the thing that I always start with is that language, right? How do I get them to you? That's, that is right there, a bit of a red flag around basically what that, what that woman is saying is things feel out of control and I want to control. And so that's going to come across the bow to her man and it's going to create reactivity. And so to re-language and relocate that is a, a request. Like I would love it if you would. It would mean a lot to me with if you would. Um, here's what I'm wanting. Can you talk about the way in which we can do this in a way that feels really good to you? So inviting her to, if she wants vulnerability in him, can she show up with vulnerability? So rather than like you should or if you don't or four out of five husbands would, you know, to just locate the request in herself. This would mean so much to me. Yeah, I used to, it's funny, my answer to this question continues to evolve because my answer used to be, in the example I always give is Kathy invited me to read Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth. And I- Like 10 years ago. Picked it up, had no connection with it whatsoever. And Kathy never mentioned it ever again. And then all of a sudden Oprah came out with her series and I was on board and the book changed how I look at the world and myself. So Mm -hmm. Kathy presented it And then she did not, she just, it was like a gentle nudge. So my answer used to be, well, ladies, just give your husbands gentle nudges and then detach from the outcome, blah, blah, blah. Now I've kind of come all the way to the other side and say, women, stand in your power, ask for what you want and say, this is what I need to be a partner in this relationship. And the answer is probably somewhere in between. But right now I'm in the quit, Uh quit, quit fidgeting around and ask for what you want. And if your husband is not going to pay attention to that, then he's got to look in the mirror and deal with whatever consequences come as a result. That's right. And and there's complete truth to that, Todd, but then the only why there needs to be a place in the middle is because then it again falls on one person to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And again, I think what you're saying is come to your partner and say, do this heavy lifting with me. Like, I'm just going to go off of what both of you said, because I basically, the answer I usually give is exact, it's what the two of you say. The first thing is, and I say this with parenting and in partnership, quit beating around the bush, go right into the middle of that discussion. What is it that you're saying? You know, there's so many, and men and women who we like throw a question out there and see how it lands, or we ask a question about nothing that we really want to know just to feel a situation out. And I'm like, if you you want to know something, you have to go right to the core of it. And that's practice and difficult and vulnerable. And there's rejection involved sometimes. And I get that. But the amount of work, it's kind of like going to therapy and just talking about nothing that that bothers you at all and hoping you eventually get to that thing versus mm-hmm. I'm going to go in and I am going to in this partnership and say, I feel hurt instead of, you know, it'd be nice if it's like, and, and that is a practice and it's not super easy, but I also feel like what I don't like, and you didn't say this, Todd, but the the language of that that one person has to be, you know, because you said quit fidgeting around, and I'm not quite sure what that means, quit fidgeting <laughs> around, but you know, like, right, you know, like what you're saying is just say what you mean. Is that what you ask mean? Ask for what you want. Right. Ask for what you want. And then, then we get into the dynamics of that, you know, we're talking about how men were taught to be that dominant in strength. Mm-hmm. Women were taught, be nice, be kind, don't make anyone uncomfortable. So we're talking about some really deeply ingrained patterns that need to shift. And what, you know, Ali, give us some, uh, give us like just, and and it could be a story or just a a thought that you have about when you have, when you're working with a couple and something, they have a successful breakthrough, what is it that happens? Like what, do you have a story or do you have like a thing that you think shifts typically in your couples therapy where you're like, that's it. That's what, that's what people can do. Or is it just too different? Like depending on the couple. Right. I, um, I think, let's see, I'm really on this. I'm really like stuck on this gendered dynamic because it is just, I mean, the fact that the three of us get this question more than any other question really speaks to how very real it is. And I guess what I think about is, Um, The breakthrough tends to be around him developing a wider zone of tolerance for her negative emotions, for her anxiety, for her sadness, because what often happens is that she has, she's feeling some kind of a way 
and he does a move to make that go away, right? He rolls his eyes and tells her it's not a big deal and she's overreacting, or he tells her how to fix it, um, or he gets mad that now she's upset and now he's got one more thing on his plate, Mm -hmm. right? That typically is the dynamic. And so the breakthrough comes around, like, empathy coaching him. And I think this can be harder if he... Like if he's got sort of the double whammy of his gender role socialization and his work as a doctor or a lawyer or a business, like these sort of very like linear engineers, you know, where there is like problem solving is what they get paid to do. They literally work for a company where, or they have a patient and they're paid to solve the problem. Then we've got the gender and the, you know, the social conditioning all of it. Yeah. And so then we're really working on like, okay, so when she says this, you know, like holding, like how you hold space, like, and how you let her, like, imagine what it would be like if you were in her shoes mm. or let her know. And the, and the thing I always say is like, you are the answer. You are the problem solving, right? What she wants is you, just mm. you there with her so that she's not feeling alone. Like that oftentimes is, I'm having like flashes of different, like, breakthrough moments with couples where that is the shift. And it's a really hard sell oftentimes. Um, at oftentimes because he, because it is a deeply ingrained message. Sometimes he had a, sometimes he had a mom who actually was depressed. And so there was so much negative emotion and he was such a little boy and his mom was so chronically unhappy that it really did feel like it was going to drown him. Mm-hmm. So then the allergy is like, you see how the allergy is so, understandable so she has like a bit of a frown on her face and he's like in panic mode because Mm. that's what it feels like to the little boy who still lives inside of him well and that's the exploration we're talking about is like when something happens there's a stimulus and all of a sudden your reaction to it is so much greater than that stimulus that is the time when you need to do some self-exploration like hmm she just gave me like a frown face and now I'm really upset at this, this one little thing. So there's like this big reactivity to it. And it's funny, you talk about holding space alley just so happens last Wednesday, our, our men's group virtual meeting was about holding space. Cause a lot of these guys are like holding space. What the hell does that mean? What is holding space? So uh, not just guys, people in general don't even know even what that means. And you just described it. Like, can you, can you be a space of non-judgment for a little bit just to let whoever you happen to be in front of can emote without you getting defensive? And it's so easy to say, and I'm still working on that. It's really, really hard. And But the only, other thing I know is the only way for that to happen is for me to even know what it means to hold space. Well, and I will say, like, because Todd and I talk about this all the time, and he is very good at holding space, but let's go back to the debate just to kind of give an example. So I'm having a reaction and he leaves the room. So this is like very typical, right? This is like, even this has nothing to do with our relationship per se, but it demonstrates what we do. The, my children are still watching this. I don't feel like I should leave them. I know that's going to, I have teenagers, by the way, I don't have little kids. They're watching it for class. They're watching it for, you know, and I don't feel like I should leave them. He leaves and goes and listens to classical music. I keep trying to leave and go sit on the stairs and everyone, and again, when I say this, I can, I was not sad about this. I can tolerate this, but there was, I was kind of the butt of the joke. Like, look at mom, you know, they're laughing at me. And even Todd was like, what are you doing? Just leave. What are you doing? Just leave. And I was trying to fix it because I was uncomfortable because you were were uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And that's. We see how this shows up and even something that has nothing to do with a difference between, you know, we weren't arguing about anything, but we're having different reactions. And my, what I did in Todd's eyes seemed kind of silly. And when I, and I'm looking at him saying, you just bailed on everybody. To me, in my, whatever, my reptilian brain, it just seemed illogical. Something is upsetting you. You remove yourself from that situation. And I know that that is not an expression of empathy. That's not curiosity. Like that's the opposite of what I hope to cultivate in myself and teach these other guys. And we could have both moved where I could have removed. Like I did have that option. It was hard because like I said, I was looking for the good. I couldn't leave that moment. Just like when you're, I know you haven't been in an abusive relationship, Todd, but like when you're with someone, you, you want them to say something nice so you can walk away and be like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So I could, but- so it, we both could have met somewhere in the middle. It wasn't like Todd's wrong, I'm right, or he. It's just, it's this even noticing right. what we're doing and maybe even asking the question why, rather than deciding someone needs to be right and wrong. 
Boy, oh boy. I think that's so true because at a, at a, I mean, it's such a perfect example because it was a stimulus. Like in some ways it was an easier thing because it wasn't like what's so hard is oftentimes when the thing our partner has done is what's upsetting us. That's a hard, that's like the like next level, like ultimate finale kind of using these skills. But the one, the example we're playing with of the debate is there was a, there was a stressful external stimulus that you each had a need to cope differently with. Mm -hmm. And in the space of two different coping strategies is the opportunity to judge the other one's coping strategy and to misunderstand it. Of course, of course. And so, and sometimes because our reptilian brains are so powerful, we can't catch it right in the moment, which is why part of a healthy intimate relationship is, is the repair skills, like mm. being able to come back to it afterwards and let our kids see this is how mom and dad came back to it afterwards. Cause we're not going to prevent those moments altogether, especially something that's as upsetting as a debate or as difficult as living together in this pandemic. Like there's so many opportunities right now for us to need to love each other very much and need radically different things in any given moment. And so it, it the repair strategies like of what you guys are doing now of saying like, with a bit of curiosity like isn't that interesting isn't that interesting that in that same moment what we needed was different mm -hmm. and the story we we layered upon the moment were, were different and well, you were kind of focusing here and i was focusing here well and if we could look at the repair and I, i'm so glad you brought that up because it's uncomfortable when kathy and i disagree and i think it's probably uncomfortable for when most couples disagree i mean yeah maybe somebody feels good in the moment when they scream back at their partner but most of the time you leave you leave feeling like crap and the repair is an opportunity to de and so when Kathy and I have these things that happen, which happens to us, like it does to every couple, when we come through it and it may be an hour later, maybe a day later, maybe a few days later, I feel so much more deeply connected to her as a result of this experience that we just had. That was, you know, depending on what lens you look at it through, like, oh, what an awful situation. You're fighting with your wife for two days about this. But after it's done and you come through it with clarity, understanding, empathy, I do feel much more deeply connected to her in those moments. And that's like, you know, even the language, like when Todd says fighting, that word means something different to everybody. Like that word fighting, like I don't use that word, not because I, I'm, I guess maybe obviously the fact that I don't use it tells me I don't love it. But what we do is usually we disagree and we don't, there's not yelling, there's not that kind of thing, but there's just like, I'm doing this and I think it's okay. I feel fine that I'm sitting behind these bars and I, and you're doing what you're doing, but then what the, the, what helped me, and this is why you're here, Allie, is that I saw your post <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was like, that's it. That's why I was uncomfortable. Dominance is not strength. And I'm feeling something that I've felt in my past that scared me. And I'm using the same coping tools that I used in my past, which is I'm going to stick around and watch it so I can make it better. And I can make this person feel better. And I can make my kids feel better because that was what I did when I felt in that emotionally abusive situation. It's, it's, uh, it, it, you know, anyone who has a me too, um, has that kind of experience. And so once I had the language, I was able to go to Todd and say, I want to explain what I was feeling last night. And he was like, Oh, totally get it. Like there was it's, but that self-awareness piece is so important. Like it's all these stages of like, first you have the experience, then you have to realize what you were feeling and then you have to come together and express it. And then the other person has to understand it. Which is the, like there's this whole like science of how thing how, like the science of change like how couples change and one of the researchers dr les greenberg he says like that's where the magic happens like where the magic happens is kathy comes to todd and says here's a piece of insight i have or here's why i did what i did and todd leans into it instead of rolls his eyes at it like that's where the that's where the change gets cemented in is like it's not it's not just that we have to change what we do. We have to kind of share it with our partner and our partner has to kind of like say, aha, that makes sense. Or I see what you did there. Or I see that you tried something different. You know, like that's really where the change happens in the relational space, of course. But but it is, it's, it's a number of steps. It's not just Kathy realizing what was going on inside of her. It's her having the, the first of all that, but then as you said, the courage to say it, because if Todd has shown her, a hundred times out of a hundred that her vulnerable shares are not welcome. She's not going to do it. 
that's going to erode trust and intimacy. But you had a felt sense that you could share it with Todd. And then Todd, you caught that as like an at bat. Like you knew that at that moment when Kathy's saying, I think I got, I think I understand now my reaction from last night. You knew to like meet that moment with presence enough to say, makes sense. Well, and honestly, this was a week ago Monday. I'm still kind of understanding. Even this conversation that we're having right now is helping me, um, you know, be empathic towards Kathy. And it's not like that this was a huge deal for us. I mean, we've had huge Mm -hmm. deals. This is not one of them, but it's an interesting example. So this is what you wrote in your blog, Allie. Behaviors that prevent connection, erode trust, destroys relationship. And then you put nine or 10 terms down of these behaviors that erode trust. Contempt, sarcasm, interrupting, gaslighting, whataboutism, invalidation, defensiveness, escalation, and belittling. Those are words that I judge you described uh, President Trump in the debate. But if I look at these words objectively, I was being sarcastic to Kathy in her reaction to the debates. I don't know if I gaslit you or not, sweetie. Uh, Sarcasm. Invalidation for certain, defensiveness probably, and belittling. Like, it's so much easier for me to point the finger at President Trump and forget about how I showed up in this situation of one of the most, you know, the most important relationship that I have aside from the one I have with myself is the one that I have with my wife. And real quick, before I get your reaction, doc, is we talked about a half hour ago, we talked about, you know, when women come to us and say, how do I get my husband to do it? The one kind of qualifier I want to add to that is that, that we tend to want to like if 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 you're going to a conference or you're reading a book or you're hearing a speaker and you think about all the things that your husband isn't doing and you're not doing any of that work yourself then it's going to fall flat so for me step one is own your stuff and and take a deep dive through that if you start doing that then it's time to bring your partner in saying hey would you join me in this but if we're just looking outside of ourselves seeing all the other problems that we need to fix and aren't looking in the mirror and doing our own heavy lifting, then it's just going to fall short. I'm so glad that you brought that part up because I had, I had lost, lost that thread a half an hour ago as well, which is oftentimes that how do I get my husband to is just what you're saying. It's a, it's a, it's so much easier to see what our partners are doing than what we are doing. And, and it may look different. I think there's, there's a gendered way in which women, this is maybe like another entire episode, but like the sort of the dominance and dominance is strength idea. I was, I feel like women, I know I've done it myself. It's sort of like, we oftentimes do that around like, but it's my feelings. Mm -hmm. These are my feelings. I am just expressing my feelings now. And we will do this odd thing where we will use our feelings as a cudgel, right? Like there's nobody can say anything else because I'm just talking about my reality and my feelings. And so that, and that's subtle and it's nuanced. And I think because those of you, those of us who grew up as women were taught from the time we were this big to be relational, to be reading the room. And we're taught that we're good at feelings and we're good at relationships. So sometimes we end up using them as weapons and getting into, right. So it may look different though, the sarcasm, the belittling, the invalidation, but my gosh, my gosh, I mean, I roll my eyes at my husband. I use sarcasm when I feel flooded and disempowered. So I think that's a really great point is that it is, we, it's, we have blind spots around our own behavior and ways in which we don't invite vulnerability. The vulnerability we say we want, we don't invite. Exactly. And that's, I'm so glad you guys are doing this because I can share like, so Todd's saying I had this experience and it kind of looks like I'm leading the discussion and I'm getting Todd to look at things the way I do. But here's the thing is this is what I know about Todd. And you even mentioned this, Ali, is one of your things is Todd did have experiences when he was young where when a family member was sad, it was scary to him. So I know why he left the room and I get it. And I know that that's a protection for him. And I don't think that's that's his, where I was kind of on autopilot. He was also on autopilot. And so I don't remember how I approached you about it, Todd. I don't think I um, it, you'd have to tell me, but I don't. I do know why you left. Well, and, and it's funny. I didn't even mm-hmm. pick up on why I left until you just said that just <laughs> now. And it's because my parents, the two people that are supposed to love each other, didn't love each other, and I got really uncomfortable as a little kid when they started fighting. So I see two grown-ups fighting. And Todd fails. These people are supposed to be grown-ups. Mm-hmm. President Trump is is supposed to be a grown-up. He acts like a a, 
a child who isn't getting the way he wants. I'm not going to put Biden in that camp because I don't think he displayed behavior that way. But when this one grown up who's supposed to act with dignity and respect wasn't doing that, it got me all kind of jumbled up. I'm like, F this. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here because I'm not going to feel this because I didn't feel it when I was seven. And I'm sure as hell not going to feel it when I'm 48. So exactly. So like when, when, you know, when Dr. Solomon is saying like, we are, we're talking about our feelings and I'm sitting here saying, Todd, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. We, again, if, if we're in this kind of partnership, you know, female, male, we have to understand that our partner is having feelings too. So our feelings are valid, but our feelings aren't necessarily bigger or more important. They're a piece of that puzzle. And so I can go in and say, Todd, here's how I was feeling. And then le- talk about holding space. Hold the space for how are you feeling? Because even if he bailed and there wasn't anything that was very visually obvious, he was doing that for some reason. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like what you said, Allie, about like, you know, that's the, both sides have to notice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes, it can take a while to connect the dots, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Todd saying my leaving was because I had better things to do with my time, but now you go back to it and it's like, oh shit, there's also that yeah. element and that layer. And, and, um, right. And that's, in that way, we're never done, right? Our marriages, our intimate relationships are always going to, like, I think that that's one of the myths of, you know, couples therapy or this work is that the goal is to not have those moments anymore. And that really isn't the well, goal. And one of the most powerful questions, so like I'm a life coach and one of the questions that I like to use in a certain part of a session is from the past, this, remi- this reminds me of. And, and I didn't ask myself that question when I was watching the debates. I'm just like, I'm not thinking about anything. I just know that I don't feel good, so I'm bailing. If I were to ask myself that question from the past, this reminds me of, it would have been an opportunity for me to like more deeply explore, oh, wow, this isn't about anything other than my discomfort when two grownups are fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a really powerful question. So Allie, we said that we would get you out of here at three o'clock, so it's 2.58. Um, so any closing thoughts, how do people find you? And then I'm going to ask our listeners to stay on afterwards just so we can talk about team Zen, but uh, Ellie, I just want to give you, um, some space to kind of promote or talk about how people find you all that good stuff. Sure. Um, the easiest place is my website, dralexandrasolomon.com, and lots of resources there. Um, for therapists, I have, um, we launched an e-course called Loving Bravely, Helping Clients Who Are Single, Dating, and Single Again. That launched in January, um, a big online CE class. Uh, I'm working right now on a, a new e-course that is going to be for just for all of us, like a Relationships 101 e-course mm-hmm. that I've been wanting to create forever. And I'm finally working on that, but I don't know when it's going to come out, but that will be for sure something that will be in the newsletter and all those things you can find through the website. And then um, you guys had mentioned the Instagram, which has been a fun, it's been really interesting to play in the last few years with social media and um, Instagram, especially, I think has been, has been definitely more than Twitter. And, you know, it's been a space where I feel like I can express and connect and that's been enjoyable. And I will, I'm going to reiterate it again. You know, you just said it, but for those of you who like have a group of women that maybe you um, spend time with or men and women, it can, it doesn't have to be gender specific, but just you, if you go on Allie's page, her Instagram page, you see it in your newsfeed, every single thing she posts is like a worthy discussion. Like I, I'm always feel like I could take one of your posts and bring it to women's circle and we could talk about it the whole time. Um, and I think you could do that with your men's group too, Todd. Like this is an interesting, you just come at it with obviously such expertise and wisdom, but also a lot of, you know, research and a lot of, you know, you kind of hone a very difficult concept down. So again, follow Dr. Solomon on uh, Instagram or Facebook and you'll see those posts. And don't forget, now we didn't get to it today and maybe we can make a commitment to each other that we're going to talk about the book that we have not. So we talked to Dr. Solomon about her first book on podcast number 372. It's called Loving Bravely, a discussion with Dr. Alexander Solomon. The name of her newest book is called Taking Sexy Back, and I'm going to play a little clip that I got ready. <laughs> I, I knew you'd do it. <laughs> I'm bringing sexy back. What? <laughs> you know, JT, I'm a, I'm a straight white man, but if I ever found myself attracted to men, JT is my guy for that sure. That would be the one. Oh. Um, He's got all the pieces. So, um, yeah, so let's have Dr. Solomon back yeah, just to I talk agree. about that because talk about important sex during COVID ain't so easy. <laughs> my no, gosh. We've got- 
break that down and explore the whole thing. We will do that. We'll for do that. sure. Yes. Thank you. So, Doc, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much uh, for coming, and we'll have you back soon. Yeah, thank so you. Good to, be, good to be with both of you. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Um, so, sweetie, Team Zen. Yes. Um, we, I, I have some new ideas for how we're going to promote it. Okay, let's hear it. Team Zen. Obviously, our tagline is zero pressure, 100% uh, support. ACT. You ready? Okay. A is for access. Okay. What do you get access to? Obviously, Kathy and I. But we just had um, Rosalind on, and she's going to join Team Zen uh, sometime in November, I think. Right. So Rosalind was on our podcast, but now she's going to come on to Team Zen and just answer questions. And we just asked Dr. Solomon if she'll spend she's some time. Do it too. We had with uh, Dr. Duffy. Uh huh. We had it with the uh, two women from Grown and Flown, um, Lisa and Mary Ellen. Uh-huh. Uh Debbie, Debbie Reber, we had her on. Uh-huh, on uh, Team Zen. Uh, Gemma Hartley. So that's access. You get access to these really important people. Okay. Um, the C stands for community. Okay. You with me? I'm with you. And community is Facebook community, the community that we create during Zen Talks, everything. And then the T is for Zen Talks. So A-C-T. What do you think? But the T is for Zen Talks. This doesn't start with a Z. Well. You mean Talk Zen? Talk Zen's. <laughs> Um, so be a part of this like-minded community. We do Zen Talks twice a month. Uh, the cost to be a team member, I think we have about 115 people on the team, 25 bucks a month. First month is free if you want to try us out. The coupon code is FRIEND. Uh, we're having a Zen Talk later today, mm-hmm. number 103. On 102, we talked about edibles, anxiety, and angry sons. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to talk about regarding Team Zen, or do you think I no, my, it- my ACT kind of does it all? Act. 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 Yes. That's right. That's like in Parks and Rec, Leslie always uses acronyms. Yes, she and does. And Ron will always just be, he'll say, just give us the word. Yes. Because she always like starts with A. Right. And, and it's always like eight letters long. <laughs> it's like, just give us the word. Um, so anyways, so that is the deal with Team Zen. Um, anything else we want to promote? Just a reminder, as I said at the beginning, if you want to get Zen Parenting Moment uh, three times a week, it's again, free. It's just part, it's like, you know, it's just. Good news in your inbox. My gosh, I need some. I'm I'm so motivated, and obviously I'm you know it's I'm going to be getting my own newsletter or my own uh, Zen parenting moment. But just being able to write something that focuses like my my tagline is actually Zen parenting moment. What we know but tend to forget mm. because I feel like we're forgetting our essential nature and that we are love and that we can be civil and that we do treat each other with dignity. Like we know these things and all these things are being called into question. And so I'm just trying to have something that I can write and share with people where we go, oh yeah, that's right. I'm not going to be teaching you anything new. You guys already know all this, but it's like reminders, right? Remind you of what you already Already know. know. Yes. Which is an interesting kind of thought. That's what I think Zen Parenting Radio is, Todd. I don't think, I mean, yeah, we share new people or new books or new, maybe a new way to look at something. But like we were saying when we were talking to Allie, basically it's the same stuff, different language. Mm. I mean, these are universal principles. Like what we're all in this together, you know, a sense of groundedness, groundedness and love and connection and communication. That's what this life is about. And sometimes when we get too lost in the minutiae, especially in a time like now with a pandemic and an election and so much overwhelm and scary information, we forget what we know. So um, so go to zenparentingradio.com and you'll see it right on the top. You can subscribe or if you have the newsletter, you're already going to get it. So we're right. all in this together. Um, don't, forget, don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. We got four events this week, two meditations, our Wednesday night meeting, and then um, separation divorce support group. And... Uh, don't forget about Jeremy Craft. Bald-headed beauty. It's a bald-headed beauty. Any contract work, if you live in the Chicagoland area, give Jeremy a call, 630-956-1800. Tell them uh, Zen Parenting sent you, and uh, make sure you uh, bring up the fact that Jeremy's bald. <laughs> or don't. Get a discount for bringing up that he's bald. He, I just made that up. He's aware. He may not give you a discount. Yeah, he just just tell them that I thought you were going to say what we used to say, which is tell them Zen Parenting sends you and Zen Parenting loves you. Yeah, that too. Um, okay, you ready for our outro music? Yep, let's do it. Um, see you guys next Tuesday. Yeah, thanks for listening. And thanks again to Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Go find her on Instagram and Facebook, and you will appreciate her wisdom. And keep trucking, for goodness sakes.
Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.